All right, class, listen up. This isn't your regular public school education. Here, we discuss the money topics you should have been taught in school, but weren't. Join a community of people who are taking their lives into their own hands. Learn about financial independence so that you can design the life of your dreams. You're listening to The Fi School. Let's build a life worth running to. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Phi School Podcast. I'm Jared, and with me is my good friend and co-host, Russell. Today, we're going to be talking about our money stories in hopes of getting you to stop and think a little bit about what your own money stories are and the impact they've had on you. Uh, But before we get started, Russell, how are you doing today, brother? Good, good. Really good, Jared. It's good to talk to you, and it's good to be... It's good to be here, um, kind of kicking off this podcast. Um, I think there's a lot of cool stuff that's going to come from this, and we hope that you guys all get a lot from this and can make some really good improvements and changes in your life. So, um, but yeah, I've been doing really well today. We kind of wanted to kick off by talking about some of our own personal money stories. Um, and so maybe we can preface what exactly a money story is. Jared, you want to explain that real quick to us? Yeah, I think I heard the concept of our money stories. I think it was on the Choose FI podcast, which stands for Choose Financial Independence. And they talked about money stories as really just what the story, the, the stories that you tell yourself about money. And they can come from, well, I mean, they can come from anywhere, but from, from your family, the way that your parents raised you, or the way that uh, people at school interact, like the way that your school interacted with you, or if you participated in any groups or clubs that had any sort of like fundraisers or anything, like just any of the concepts or the myths or the the things that you've held as like truth that's related to money that you've learned or picked up on either actively or passively throughout your whole life. And I think it's really important for us to have a candid conversation about what our money stories are because once we can articulate where the stories come from, like where the lessons that we, or the way that we think about money, where that comes from, then we can understand for ourselves really if we want to believe that statement or that um, that thought that we've had about money, you know, our whole lives, basically. And um, and if we want to change that, we totally can. Because if you think about it, like we, you get to choose the things that you believe. And we often don't, money's such a taboo topic that we often don't go around talking about the way that we've viewed money and where that comes from. So um, any of your thoughts before we hop into our own money, money stories? Yeah, well, I think it's just an important thing to realize as well that it's there's so many different philosophies and approaches and thoughts when it comes to money. Um, and it would, I feel like it would be kind of dumb not to talk about your personal money stories to kind of figure out your own biases, your own shortcomings, but also your own strengths, you know? And by, by talking about that with other people, you learn more about yourself. You learn about other possible strategies and thought processes. Like I think me and you both grew up very differently when it comes to the way that we were raised to, to think about money, you know? But there's something to be gained for both of us. And I think that you'll see that when you talk about you and Marisha and kind of the things that you both gained from each other, because I think I kind of fall on the side of more Marisha, whereas you fall on the side of you, (laughs) you know, and I think that there's like both sides are pretty different, but there's a lot to be gained there. So let's just jump right into it. Jared, why don't you tell us a little about your money story, your wife, Marisha, and kind of some of the stories there and how that's that's been impacting you guys. 
Yeah, so I I grew up, uh, I, I guess I never really thought about what lessons I'd learned about money growing up until I started really getting into financial independence podcasts, personal finance podcasts, entrepreneurship stuff. So growing up, I... My, my parents but did they did the best that they could for us and we by no means were you know like dirt dirt poor but we also didn't have enough money to do all the things that we wanted to do and there were always decisions that had to be made about you know what are we gonna who's who gets the who gets the the new things or who gets to do what activities because we can't all do it right finances are like a, they're a limiting factor and and so I I grew up working a ton for for money worked all sorts of different jobs right? Uh, whether it was lifeguarding or, or a trampoline park attendant or working at a law firm for a while selling business ads in choir or like ever since i was in like cub scouts we were out in front of a grocery store like selling stuff trying to earn money for our troop or for our groups and i guess passively i just learned that you can go out and make money like you can go out do some work maybe get a little bit creative and you can make some money and I, there were a couple couple instances growing up that kind of really had a, a big impact on me. So there was this grocery store right next to our church building. And it was, it was really only kind of like old people that went and shopped there. Um, and they would shop for like very unique kind of local grown stuff. It wasn't like a big old supermarket or anything. And we sold, I, I sold everything there, whether it was uh, tickets to choir, to band, to uh, pancake breakfast for Boy Scouts, or I mean, I was selling Oreos out there. One, I mean, just selling all sorts of stuff. But one time, I remember I was selling uh, tickets for a choir concert, and I, we were supposed to be selling, we we're supposed to be hitting certain quotas for our choir. And I just, I think I was maybe a junior or senior in high school, and I did not have time to sell for like several weeks because I was working. Um, at the trampoline park and I was working like really long hours. I barely had time to do homework, let alone go out and sell these tickets. And so I remember our, our teacher was going to be collecting all the money that we had earned um, selling these tickets. And we, we were given 10 tickets uh, or no, 20 tickets. I think it was like 20 tickets and they were like $5 a piece, right? So if you sold all of them, you turned in a hundred bucks and that was like supposed to help fund um, the whole, you know, some of the choir trips and stuff. And I remember we, he, he was saying, you know, you got to come on Friday to this football game and you got to bring all the tickets, um, or you, you got to bring all the money that you've earned from it, right? Everyone kind of owes us hundred bucks. And I was like, dude, I only, the only day I have to sell tickets is that Friday is like the last day before we go to the football game. The football game was like six o'clock in the evening or something. And I was like, okay, I get out of school at two 30. I'll ride my bike home. Um, and then I'll change and then I'll go sell tickets basically until the football game starts and hopefully I can sell enough. And I remember that I just, I hadn't been having a whole lot of luck selling choir concert tickets. So I decided to put on a tuxedo because we had these, these choir tuxedos with like little coattails, like the split tails in the back, you know, kind of like the short front. They, I mean, like these super duper fancy, like white, uh, white bow tie, white cummerbund tuxedos. And I was like, well, maybe if I dress up in this tuxedo, then people will want to, um, they'll want to buy tickets from me. Usually if we would go sell, you'd have to like put on your polo shirt for the club or the group or whatever. But I decided, no, I'll, I'll go all in and I'll, I'll dress up in my tuxedo. And oh my goodness, dude, I 
just stood out there in the front of a tuxedo. I mean, just a bunch of old ladies seeing this young dude in a tuxedo. Everyone wanted to talk to me. Everybody was like, what are you doing? Why are you dressed up? You look so great. All these, you know, all these like cute old ladies um, and a couple of them, they would like come. They're like, oh, I, I don't want to buy anything. And I'm like, oh, no, that's fine. Like, go enjoy your shopping experience. And then they'd come out with their shopping cart and I'd say, you know, hey, do you need help? carrying that to your cart and they'd be yeah sure and so then i'd you know carry their groceries to their car and then they'd hand me 20 bucks and so like i just started you know trying to sell these tickets and i ended up getting so many donations or so many people who would like buy a ticket and then say oh just give this ticket to somebody who really needs it but wants to come i ended up selling 275 dollars worth of tickets off of those $25 tickets. And I was like, dude, this is all. I ran home, changed, went back to the football game. I showed up a couple minutes late and my choir teacher was about to yell at me in front of like the whole choir. And I was like, so sorry. And I handed him the, the envelope and I said, here's $275. I just finished selling like just now. And he was like blown away. He was like, what, how, how did you, how did you do that? And I was like, oh, well, I, I put on my tuxedo and I went and he just like, it. no one had thought of doing it that way. And I'm not saying everyone needs to go put on tuxedos to like go sell whatever it is they're doing, but like actually maybe you should. And and so I, I grew up learning that you could just, if you got a little bit creative and if you were willing to work hard, if you were willing to ride your bike to all the stores to ask for business ads or stuff, like money, you can you can generate income. But what I also kind of learned passively growing up was that money comes and money goes. And so if you have it, you should probably spend it because who's to say that you're going to have money tomorrow, right? And that's actually like that can be a great philosophy because it's true, right? There's no guarantee that we're going to be here tomorrow. There's no guarantee we'll be here next week. But I that then made me feel like it was totally okay to just go spend all this money. And so in high school, middle school, high school, dude, I I raised thousands of dollars doing all sorts of different jobs. But I can I cannot tell you where all of it is except for a couple skateboards and some skimboards and like some stuff and food that I bought. But like I had nothing to show show for it when I graduated high school. Um, and so I kind of in sum the lessons that I learned growing up were that I could go out and make money anywhere doing anything if I was creative and willing to work hard. But also I just learned that if you have money you should go and spend it and spend it on things that you like. And, and that's kind of it. Um, yeah. But what are your thoughts? Yeah, so that's that's so cool. And it's such an interesting perspective because it's so different than how I grew up. Most people are somewhere on this axis of, okay, if the x-axis is from left to right, you've got like, you can't earn, like you, you, you get a job and you just like do that and that's how much you make to like, okay, I can hustle and like work on the side and I can like put in the work and make as much money as I want to if I'm willing yeah. to put in the work, right? Versus like, yeah. I'll get what I deserve or I can earn as much as I want to. And then on this y-axis on the bottom to top, you have at the bottom, um, like really, really frugal savers that just don't spend money at all. And at the top, you have people who don't save anything at all and just spend everything they get, right? And I think me and you are pretty much on opposite quadrants where yeah. you're like, <laughs> at, least, at, least, at least growing up, uh, we definitely were. Yeah. Where you're like, just go out, work your butt off, earn money. I can earn as much money as I need to to do all the things that I want to do, and I'm going to do all of the things that I want to do. <laughs> you know, exactly, exactly. <laughs> like, and and for me, I was very much like, okay, like I'll just get like a job, making like nine bucks an hour, and just like that's like all I can do because I'm a college, I'm a high school student. No one will pay me more, and I'll just take that. 
and then I'm just going to save everything because I don't have that much money and money's worth more in the future. And it's just smart to save, you know, that's just the way my parents raised me. Um, and it's just smart to save. So very, very different approaches, but I think there's so much to be learned and gained from both. Um, and so, like I was saying, my personal money story was very much, we didn't, I grew up just kind of like working. I worked all through high school, but I wasn't doing like side hustles and like entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial stuff. It was more just getting a job to like have money to go get food with my friends and to be able to save, um, for college or, or for, um, like a religious mission or whatever I was going to do in the future. And so, um, very frugal where I would kind of just like take my paycheck, my paycheck would go straight into my bank account. And then I would just like forget about it and just kind of live, you know? Um, so super, super different. Um, and you know, there were a lot of lessons I learned where my parents would kind of like, they had this whole system where they would reward you for like saving money as well as for, um, like earning good grades and all that kind of stuff. And so from a very young age, I was kind of incentivized and taught how to learn and to save, but almost to the extent where like buying things was like, like hard for me, you know, <laughs> like, like spending that money that I had saved and worked so hard to use, um, was like genuinely like difficult sometimes, you know, where it would get to yeah. Christmas and I'm like, or my birthday, or it'd be like, I just really wanted something. And, I just wouldn't get it, even though I had plenty of money in the bank account and like I had worked hard to, to earn it and it would probably have been really fun and good to have, but I just wouldn't buy it because like it just felt wrong to like spend like any large portion of money on one single thing, you know? And so that that's come, that's been really good for me and it's been really, I think I could enjoy my life more. I think that's something that I've gotten from talking to you about your personal money story is as well as like other people that I've met and just like money is, you have money to spend it, you know? And that's something that I didn't necessarily learn when I was younger, but I've started to learn now. You have money, money is, the only reason you earn money is to spend it, you know? And so um, it's been it's been a co it's been an interesting money story and interesting like process going from that super frugalist, super save, don't spend anything and like can't really earn that much to going through, I went through, I did summer sales this past summer and they have just such a different mindset there where it's like, if you put in the work and if you grind it out um, and you just give it your best, then you like the, the potential for earning is really like the ceiling, you know, there is no cap, you know, <laughs> because if you, the more you sell, the more you make and like, there's nothing stopping you from selling all, all that you can, you know, as well as they like have a lot of fun with the money that they earn, you know, and the idea is you work for the, you work for those that summer and then you have enough money to spend for the rest of the year. And so that was kind of an interesting money story coming off of like, out of like high school and stuff like that, being super frugal and not feeling like I could earn as much as I really wanted to, to going into that, that atmosphere where it's like the sky is the limit and like you can, do and be whatever you want to be. And you can earn as much as you really need to, as long as you just put the work in and you know the right people and you like can just put the work in and make it happen, you know? And so that that's kind of my process over the past couple of years um, and very different than yours, but also pretty similar to Marisha from what I understand as well, right? 
Yeah, yeah. And just want to interject real quick. So you mentioned summer sales. So for people who don't understand what summer sales is or, or maybe are a little bit confused about the, the topic. So there are a lot of jobs that you can do over the summer where you'll often either stay where, where you are or go to another state. And you'll you join a team, a company that sells and they sell some sort of product or service, whether it's pest control or solar panels or alarm systems or all sorts of things. And you you just kind of sell all, all summer, right? You, you, you're knocking doors all day long. All summer long and you're helping people out with um like with these systems with the products or services i know a lot of people have you know pest control services or they have solar panels but they don't realize that the people that sold them those systems are usually like summer sales people or people who are in the same company that runs summer sales for these for these larger uh, corporations but they do it you know all year long so mm -hmm. uh, you and i both have some experience in summer sales and we're definitely going to be talking a little bit more about some of the lessons that we've learned in in those jobs uh, here in yeah. future episodes. But yeah, go ahead. One, one more little, like, I feel like money story that I feel like I grew up with and I feel like a lot of other people grew up with as well is that if you want to make a good salary and be able to, like, have a good life, then you need to go to college. You know, that was something I, I was also really, yeah. I was raised yeah, yeah, very yeah. strongly with. One. Where it's like, like, if you want to make anything more than, like, minimum wage, you got to go to college, you know? And that's, that's something that I think a lot of people are raised with, but it's also just one of those money stories that like, isn't necessarily truth, you know? And it's, it's just something oh that I was goodness. raised with. Yeah. And it's like my perspective on life, but something that's started to change and my mind is starting to open up more talking to you and talking to other people. Absolutely. I, um, in, in, with respect to the conversation about college, I think I, today I am a lot more bearish on college than I used to be. Um, and college was actually related to one of my money stories, right? So I grew up, my parents, you know, told me that, you know, there wasn't going to be money for college. Like they can't put me through college. So if I want to go to college, I've got to figure out a way to pay for it. And so that's why we always kept our grades up, you know, in school so we can go to college, right? But I never really knew what was coming after that, but I knew I had to go to college, right? For some unknown reason. And so I decided to go to a, a military service academy so that they would pay for the college and pay me while I was there, right? And so that was like an almost entirely financial decision, right? Later on, I realized, you know, just how patriotic I am and how much I love this country and, and why I wanted to serve the military. But like initially, I really only explored it because I thought flying would be a really cool job and because I needed someone to pay for my college because I didn't have the money for it, right? And yeah. kind of going back to what you're talking about, about like earning potential, I remember I was maybe... 10, 11 years old, and I'm sitting in like a, a Sunday school class at church, and we were talking about setting kind of like a three, five, 10 year plans. And one of the guy, one of our leaders was an orthodontist, and I had heard that orthodontists made a lot of money. I did not know how much money was a lot of money. I did not know how much money orthodontists made. I just knew that they often made more money than maybe dentists or other jobs, which if that's even true, I don't, I don't even know if that's true, but that's what I thought. Somebody had told it to me somewhere when I was little. And so for years, I wanted to be an orthodontist because they made a bunch of money. I did not care at all whatsoever about teeth or about people and helping them with their teeth and their bites and their jaws or anything. I just heard they made a bunch of money and that's maybe I should be an orthodontist. Luckily, I decided not to do that because I have no interest in medicine or anything related to the subject, but that was also like a really really strong um, like money myth or money story I guess that I believed for so many years that I think a lot of people believe as well you know the whole idea of like yeah I think it's just a very prevalent story that that kind of permeates a lot of different areas 
Yeah. Oh, and also going back to the the topic about college. Oh my goodness. Like there are so many things you can do in this world that do not require a college degree whatsoever. And Mm -hmm. the whole student loan debt forgiveness, I mean, that's like a huge controversial topic right now um, in our country. And it highlights this huge question. And the pandemic did a really good job of raising this question of how much is your college education worth, right? If half of the benefit of going to college is going in person and networking, but then all in-person classes and events and stuff are all shut down and everything's online and you're not getting that same quality face-to-face interaction, well then how can colleges be justifying the same sticker price for a, a different or potentially like lower quality service or, and, and there are so many debates and we're not, we're not going to talk about, you know, the morality of the, the forgiveness or, or anything like that, but it's a huge question. And there are, since I have left high school, I have met so many people who either went and got an MBA or went and got a college degree and do absolutely nothing with it, but they needed it to get the next job or something. Or so many people who have great lives, who make great livings, running all sorts of cool companies or services or trades who make, yeah, they make tons of money and they love what they're doing and they did not need a college degree whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so that, that was just something I wanted to add to that uh, before yeah. we moved on. I love that. So let's, I think we're going to kind of try and pivot here and move on to um, a little bit more of like, fine. all right, did you want to talk about Marisha, I guess? Did you want to talk about Oh, yeah, shows? yeah, I totally should. Because this, this is kind of huge, right? So most, a lot yeah. of people in, in our audience are either not married or like recently or within the last few years, they've been married. And they can probably, yeah. for those of you who are married, you might be able to relate to, um, to, to this. So my wife grew up in a very different household than I did with respect to money and she grew up super duper frugal, like always her, her mom really instilled in her that, you know, coupons and saving and, and finding deals and patience were all these huge virtues. And that like, you, you know, we need to be wise stewards of the resources that we have. And so you can buy this thing that you really want now, or if you wait a few weeks, it usually goes on sale. And so then if you wait, exercise some patience, then you can get what you want and you can get it for a cheaper price than you know, what you would have done if you, if you were impulsive, right? Or things like, okay, we could go out for ice cream, you know, the whole family, or we could go to the grocery store, pick up a couple tubs of ice cream and then go home and eat as much ice cream as we want. And it'll still, it'll cost like half of what, what it would otherwise. Right. And, and so Marisha definitely grew up in, in that kind of a household that taught these really, really great values. And, and, and in a lot of ways, I think my, uh, my parents tried to to teach us those those same principles, but I don't think it was to the or with the same amount of explicit kind of instruction and teaching um, as as Marisha and her family. But something also we talked about this once, and it, it really highlighted kind of the difference between us growing up, and that was with respect to lemonade stands. So growing up years and years ago, when she was little, she wanted to do a lemonade stand to earn some money. And they lived in a kind of like a cul-de-sac off a cul-de-sac off of another cul-de-sac in a tiny neighborhood. And so there was like zero traffic that goes through there except for the people that sell or the people that live in those homes. And so she, you know, went down to the edge of her yard and uh, put up a, a lemonade stand and sign and, you know, put all this time and energy and work into this and made some delicious lemonade. And, you know, after a few hours only had a couple cars stop and get some lemonade. And it was, you know, it wasn't like a quote unquote successful um, venture. And she, I remember she was explaining, she went home and and her parents were like, oh, sweetie, like you did such a good job. Like you tried so hard. Um, And, you know, I'm sorry that it didn't play out the way that we wanted it to. And that was kind of the end of the the whole 
um, endeavor, right? Well, that was it. I remember growing up and we did some lemonade stands and our, where we lived was not a good place for cars to stop. There were lots of cars that would drive by, but it wasn't a good place for cars to like pull off to the side of the road and stop. But at the end of the street, we had a neighbor who had this really great corner of this big intersection that's like pretty, um, that sees a lot of traffic. And they kind of had this like cement pad in front of their house on the corner where cars could really easily pull off to the side of the road and get out of their cars if they wanted to and come talk to whoever's sitting there on the corner. And so we would drive down there and we would set up shop there on that corner. And then across the street were some other neighbor friends of ours who had lemon trees. And so we would ask them if we could pick some of their lemons to make some fresh lemonade. And then we'd go across the street and we'd set up this lemonade stand there. And then we'd also, we started doing some bake sales. We started you know, baking huge batches of cookies and splitting them up and then selling the cookies. And we'd go out, we'd get you know some of our friends, we'd get all of our siblings and we'd get out, we're screaming on the edge of the road and then, We'd get uh, someone would come over and we'd go up to them and you know we'd ask them you know hey like you, you want one cup of lemonade that's what twenty five cents sure I'll go get it you go get it and then you come back and let's say they they paid you a dollar one dollar bill right so they hand you the dollar you take the dollar back to your to this table you grab seventy five cents you grab a cup of lemonade you bring it back to them and uh, you hand them the lemonade and say would you like your change and a lot of people would then respond oh no 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 that's okay like you keep it. And would say, oh, thank you so much. Or sometimes we wouldn't even bring the change with us back to the car, right? You just say, oh, like, here's your lemonade and your cookies. Would you like your change? Um, and it, it would often make people feel uncomfortable and say, like, oh, no, that's okay. You know, this is like a, uh, I don't know, a charitable event, you know, for you little children. Like, that's totally fine. And sometimes they said yes. And when they say yes, we'd say, oh, okay, one second. We'd run back to the table and then try and, like, count up the change. And then usually by the time we'd come back, they would say, Oh, no, actually just keep the change. Like I didn't, you know, I didn't mean for you to have to go and do all that. It's totally fine. And so we would make tons of money on these lemonade stands and bakes it like tons and tons of money. And so we loved having them because they were really, really successful. And our mom did a really good job of kind of helping us like work through some of the kinks and like trying it again and trying it again and having another one to the point that we were like really excited. And if we ever wanted anything, my mom would say, well, you need to have a bake sale and a lemonade stand if you want that thing that you want. And so quite often growing up, I wanted things and my parents would say, well, you're going to have to work. Like, how are we going to do this? Right. So I was running like a recycling bottles and cans for all of my neighbors and like the whole neighborhood because I wanted a new saxophone. And so my mom helped me make flyers and we'd go around to houses and it would say, you know, this is the recycling business that I run. Also, if you need any yard work done, I'd be happy to, but I'm trying to earn, buy a saxophone and it's going to cost me a few hundred bucks. So, you know, would you help me and give me some work to do? And so I grew up doing yard work all the time, everywhere. I was recycling bottles and cans for neighbors for years and years and years. And, and so it, the, the kind of perspective that I grew up with was if you want something, figure out how to go get it, like come up with a way, come up with a plan, follow through, tweak the plan, make it better so that you can get that thing that you want. Um, and, and Marisha in kind of, you know, maybe imperfect words, but basically like this is this, you know, if you go and get a job, this is the rate, like you were saying that, you know, you can get your nine bucks an hour when she was in high school, probably like $6 an hour or something, whatever. But like, this is how much you can make at this job. And you just have to put in this many hours and you can't work any more hours than that, given the school requirements of you only being able to work part time and whatnot. And you have to sign the forms. And so like, this is the maximum amount of money that you can make. So make the most of it. Mm-hmm. And those are two different ends of that X, Y spectrum, right? And so mm-hmm. now that Marisha and I are married, 
we've had so many conversations about money um, and about our finances, about budgeting, and we kind of pull each other together, kind of towards like a middle ground, and we've helped each other grow a whole bunch. I know she's helped me because I'm a super impulsive spender. I wanna buy all the things. Like, I have money and all these things that I want, so why don't I use the money to go buy all those things? And if I don't have enough money, how do I go find more money to go buy those things that I want? And she is starting to see like, well, she's starting to teach me that, hey, Maybe you should put some space between what you want and, you know, the actual purchase. And it's helped me a lot to kind of dial that spending back. So I'm not just blowing all of our money and we can actually save. But then on her end, she's starting to see that this world is full of possibility and that she does not have to be confined to whatever the job gives her. And she can go out and do more and make more and and provide value without needing any explicit permission from anybody to go out and, and get that thing that she really wants. Yeah. And I would say another thing that I feel like you guys have just from talking to you that, that she's been able to kind of appreciate as well as you is, is spending money on things that you value, you know? And oh my goodness, in the yeah. sense of like, it's okay to go out and splurge on eating out as a couple and dropping like 20, 30 bucks on it. And you don't have to feel bad about that because it's worth it to you because you and Marisha both like come together like that's valuable to you that time together and that food and you guys appreciate it like that's worth it to you or maybe it's not the food that's worth it to you maybe it's the the movie or 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 whatever it is you know and so i think that that's another thing that that i've started to learn as well um recently is just that that idea of yes it's a good thing to save and it's a good thing to plan for the future but it's also a good thing to spend money on things that are valuable and important and bring value to your life Absolutely. I think that last part, bringing value to your life, we are going to be spending the rest of our lives trying to figure out what brings value to us. What is of value? And that, like what is valuable to us is going to change over time, right? We've got tons of energy right now. Our bodies are healthy and good. So like maybe we're going to grind it out or whatnot. But when we're like 70 years old, we're probably not going to value super hard work and, and backbreaking labor. You know, like it's things are going to change. And Marisha and I are all the time having question, conversations about what brings us value, right? We go to a dine out, we go to a movie theater that is like a sit down, dine in movie theater and it was a really long day, we had a really long drive, we did not plan and we knew it and so we were like, well, we have the money set aside for eating out and activity, entertainment activities, so why don't we just go see the movie and we'll just like get food there and we're exhausted, we drop the baby off at my mom's place, we drive over to the theater, we sit down, we enjoy the movie, we have the food, the food was, okay it wasn't great the movie was good and then we left and we were like dang we just spent like 80 bucks on that whole date night and it was it brought us like not a lot of joy it was not worth that much whatsoever and we were like kind of excited about it but we also didn't do the planning and the number of times since we've been married that we that i've purchased something either for myself or that we've decided you know we're gonna experiment and see if this thing brings us value the number of times it doesn't is so high all the time we're spending money on things that don't bring us value but then we can talk about it and say hey this this was not i did not enjoy this or i did not enjoy this nearly as much as i thought i would and so then like that's one more data point saying hey you don't value this and they're like good now i don't have to worry about it anymore for a very very long time and then we're constantly also asking on the other side hey well what if that thing that we probably wouldn't have purchased otherwise. But what if that thing might bring us a lot of value? Like what if it would just be the greatest thing? And sometimes it is. Sometimes it is like, I am so glad we spent this money because this was 
incredible. This was such a great product or service or activity or whatever, but we're constantly having to have those conversations, but I'm so, so grateful that we can have those conversations. Um, and so you, you're not married yet, but like <laughs> you, like obviously you and I can have those conversations, but you can talk to your parents about that. You can talk oh, to yeah. your friends about that. You can have, so maybe do you have anyone that you, you have these conversations with? Well, I mean, I feel like the most obvious answer is you, right? <laughs> and I think, uh, like, obviously, like, we're sitting here talking about it. And I think that that's, that's really where my, like, conversation about money and finances, uh, I wouldn't say started, but really, like, kicked off and kicked into gear. Um, I think I, I really enjoy, my dad is really enjoys finances and investing stuff, that kind of stuff as well. And so as a kid, you know, I'd have conversations with them about saving and about, um, like, preparing for the future and all that kind of stuff. But honestly, I would say that, like, the conversation that I had with you starting while I was in San Diego and then coming onto the podcast has been kind of like where a lot of my personal money story growth has come from. Um, and kind of hearing your story and your view on things has been like pretty transformative for me because like I said, I grew up very much like Marisha. Now, I don't think quite as, ext- as extreme as Marisha, but more on that side of like, re- like super frugal and and also not just not really believing in my like potential for earning, you know? And I think that talking to you as well as like my summer sales team leader um, about just like side hustles and grind and just hustling, you know, and just like finding different ways to earn money and as well as like finding things that I value and spending money on that has been, has been really big. So for example, one story that I can think of that kind of illustrates like that idea of like value was I went on a family vacation about like a couple months ago and I had to miss some school if I was going to go for it. And so I was kind of like, ah, I don't want to miss these classes because I was taking some pretty difficult classes that met every single day. And so every single day that I missed was pretty hard to catch up and make up for. And eventually I was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to go out to California with my family. Um, I'm going to go do Disneyland and just enjoy my time with them, right? And something that I realized after going to that, because I missed about three days of school and then I came back and had to kind of grind things back out again. And what I realized was that the Disneyland part of it and the trip part of it honestly wasn't that valuable to me. You know, like I, I didn't necessarily love going to Disneyland. Like, I don't know. I don't get crazy about Disneyland and it doesn't like bring me a ton of joy just to be in Disneyland. But what was totally worth it for me was spending my t- spending that time with my family and my siblings, because I had been gone for about two years before that, um, and uh, serving like a religious mission, and that was like the first family vacation that I had been on in like two and a half years, and getting to just like spend time with my siblings around the house and in lines like waiting for rides and talking to them and just having a good time and catching up with my parents and just being able to like feel connected to my family again and to be able to just spend that time with them was so worth it to me and so valuable. And so like looking forward, like now I know that, okay, Disneyland isn't necessarily where I derive all my joy from, but spending time and having cool experiences with my siblings and my family that brings me a lot of satisfaction and joy. And so now, like, let's say when I have my family in like 10, 15 years, I don't need to go to Disneyland and spend a thousand dollars on a big family trip in order to bring value and purpose and meaning into my life, you know, because I've recognized that that value comes from doing 
cool things that doesn't necessarily have to be Disneyland. And so I can, I can go on a hike or I can like maybe like fly somewhere or I can just spend time, do a game night with my family or like whatever it is, like what I just need time with my family and that's what brings me value. And so I think thinking about your own personal money stories and looking and analyzing and talking about them can be so valuable because not only does it save you from blowing money on things that don't really matter or bring value to your life, but it allows you to really pursue the things that you really care about, you know, and the things that do bring value to you. And so I know that kind of kicks us off kind of into this why of financial independence, because I think that concept of pursuing things that are valuable to you is tied so like, just like, it's almost inseparable with like, the, uh, the concept of financial independence and I think kind of why both of us are kind of getting into that. So I, maybe we can pivot and jump into that a little bit, kind of how you got introduced to that and why it's such a big part of your life and a big part of my life um, and kind of explain that a little bit. So there's, uh, there's a guy, his name's uh, Ramit Sethi and he wrote the book, I Will Teach You To Be Rich. And in that, his kind of core philosophy is to cut mercilessly on the things that do not bring you value and to spend lavishly on the things that do. And I love that kind of that, that concept because what he's saying is you need to align your money with your values and that's it. Right. And that is what we're trying to do here on this podcast is help people learn a little bit about money and a little bit about themselves so that we can get our money behind us, pushing us forward, like rowing in the same direction that we want to be going in. Clayton Christensen wrote, uh, he wrote a book called how will you measure your life? And in that book, he talks a lot about your intended strategy. And then I can't remember the, the specific word for the other one, but um, kind of like the, the strategy that actually happens, your, your actual strategy, perhaps. And he says that your intended strategy is what you want. It is, I am trying to say, I'm trying to go to college, get a, you know, get this degree and I want to have my family and, or, or, or people who say, you know, I love hiking. I, it is my favorite activity. But then what he says, your, your real strategy is what you actually do with your time and your energy, your money, your resources, right? So those people who say, you know, hiking is my absolute favorite activity, but then they do not ever go hiking whatsoever. Then like, hiking is not their favorite activity. Like that's a lie. Their favorite activity is whatever it is that they're doing all the time. All right, maybe they really want to go hiking, but they're not. Maybe because they're limited by finances or by time or whatever, right? But he's saying we need to find out exactly what our intended strategy is and what our actual strategy is and then make adjustments so that they're the same. And I I totally, totally believe that, right? So we, for example, Marish and I, we realized that like we don't get a lot of value from the name of our cell phone provider, right? Like it doesn't matter to us if we have AT&T, T-Mobile, Verizon, whatever. What matters is that our phones work and that we have good service. And so we ended up switching to Mint Mobile because they sponsor a whole bunch of finance podcasts, but um, specifically Choose FI. And we ended up paying $15 a month for like two years to have our phones work. And they worked great. And we saved so, so much money from like just if we had our own cell phone plan, it would have cost 70, 80, 100 bucks for the two of us, like ridiculous. No, we spent 30 bucks a month on our cell phone plan and that like did not change. And so we were able to take that extra, let's say $70 and put it into those things that do matter to us, whether that's saving for retirement, saving in an emergency fund, investing for the future or so that we can spend it on eating out so that we can spend it on whatever matters to us, right? Financial independence as a concept really just means 
that you are that you are financially independent of other people, other things, right? When I was little, I thought financial independence just meant like not relying on my parents anymore. And so for, ever since I was little, I've, I've used the words financial independence because I wanted to be independent of my parents, right? But that's all I thought it was. I didn't think past that. But if you go to a job because you need the money from that job to fund your life, you are not independent, right? You are not independent of that job because what happens if that job goes away? What happens if there's an economic crisis and the firm has to shut down and you get laid off, right? Like you're now, you're, you were dependent on that and now it's gone. And, and so what, what we're trying to achieve with financial independence is to be able to say that our money is behind us and it's in the places that we need it to be so that we can spend our time doing the things that matter to us. Like you said, going on vacation with your family, wherever it may be, maybe in a cheaper place than Disneyland because it's just that time that matters to you. If you know exactly what you value, then you can find ways to make it not cost so much, right? Because if you're, <laughs> yeah, because if, if a vacation is just the time with your family, then maybe you and your family can go camping. Maybe you and your family can go be outdoors. Maybe you and your family can rent a, a cheap Airbnb, not in some really expensive place like Southern California, but like maybe somewhere else. And, and you can get all of the value from it without the price tag of it. And then once you freed up that money, that money you can then allocate to whatever really does bring you value. What, what's up? Uh, that's, that's exactly what I was going to say. Just like that. The idea is that you can free up your resources from spending on this big vacation. And that resource can then go to providing you with more time to spend with your family, you know. And so it's just that idea of allocating your resources in a way that allows, that maximizes your benefit, you know. So. Absolutely. So um, we, we're pursuing financial independence because we want to be able to do with our time what we really want. And if that means going to work, if that means I'm still in the military, but I want to be in the military, well then like, that's winning. That's winning right there is doing what you want with your time. And a lot of people think like, oh, well then you're just gonna go sit on the beach and drink Mai Tais all day, or, or you're just gonna like sit around and be quote unquote retired, whatever that means. Like, no, there are like a hundred billion things that I really wanna do in this world and in my life. And I like, don't have time to do them all. And so like I promise if, if I did not have to go to work like uh, to a, a, a seven to four job every day, I would be spending that time doing all sorts of different things. And a lot of the people in the kind of contemporary personal or the contemporary financial independence space, all of them who have like reached financial independence are either traveling the world or putting out value in the ways that they see like is valuable whether that's creating whether that's starting new businesses whether that's spending time with family like they're out doing the things that matter the most to them and if you thought about like what if everyone went to their job because they wanted to go to their job not because they needed the money from their job what kind of a new work environment would that create what kind of like energy would that bring to your job if everyone showed up because they genuinely wanted to be there and loved the work that they did it, would, it would just be like a revolution yeah. It'd be huge. And I think that, yeah, it's just such a cool concept because when it comes to doing things because you have to versus doing things because you want to, it just changes the whole game, you know? And I think, I think a really good point that you already, that you pointed out was just that even if working is what you want to do, doing it because you want to do it or doing other things because you want to do it and not because you have to, 
is just so much more powerful. And it, it makes it so much more meaningful and valuable to you, at least personally, because you're doing it by choice instead of um, by force, you know? And yeah. it's, it's just super cool. Yeah. And it may be that you love your job right now, but if you sat down and thought really hard about it, if some of the environment that you work in, if some of those factors changed, it very well could be that 10 years from now, you actually really don't enjoy being there, right? Maybe your boss changes, maybe someone gets replaced and now, or maybe the culture in your company like shifts over time and you find yourself not wanting to be there anymore, or maybe um, circumstances in your life come up and you can't be at work and you need to be home taking care of family. You want to go visit your parents because they're sick. You want to be helping in whatever way you can. And it's not related to work. Like you want, we want to be setting ourselves up to be able to be flexible. And so that we can pivot in any direction we need to at any given time. That is what being independent means is, is not relying on an employer or not relying on, um, anyone else in order to be able to kind of fund that life. And so Financial independence. I mean, it really is a, a it's a it's a strategy. It's a it's a preparation. Um, it's a a guard against all of the terrible things that could possibly happen to you. Like that is what we are pursuing, so that we can dedicate our time and energy towards those things that that matter the most to us. Mm-hmm. It's huge, and I think we're we're almost out of time, so we'll have to jump into the the concept of retirement. And I think there's just there's so much more to talk about here. Um, and I think we'll definitely have to talk about like our own personal motivations for financial independence. Cause I think we both have kind of like a vision for like a 10, 15 year vision of like, once we hit financial independence, what do we want to do with our time? What's valuable to us? Like, what are, what are the things that we want to throw ourselves into? What careers do you want to pursue when money is no longer the determining factor for what you're doing, you know, and what now is determining what you pursue in career or in life is what is going to be the best for the world? What is going to be the best for my family? What is going to be the best for me? And what's going to bring the most value and highest impact in my life, you know? And I think that there's some really cool driving forces that I think everyone has somewhere and that everyone can tie into and that financial independence can kind of just unleash and free and allow you to really pursue and, and like, attack, you know, and get onto and just do those things that you, you really care about and could bring you so much value. Yeah, absolutely. Um, before we wrap up, I just kind of want to leave the audience with just a couple questions that, um, that have been posed to me before, uh, through some of these other podcasts. And one of those is, you know, if you had $20 million right now, what would you do? How would your life change? Right. If you had $20 million, you know, more than enough money that you need for the rest of your life, like, what would you do? So many people would not be doing what it is that they're doing right now, right? And so you like you got to think, well, if I had all that money and all of my needs were actually taken care of, both maybe for myself, for my family, maybe even some of my extended family too, what on earth would I want to be doing with my time? And another question was, well, what if you could never retire? How would your life change? You were never allowed to retire. Like you work every day until you die. How, like what would you do differently with your life? Um, and if you could never earn another dollar, like what would you be doing with your time and energy, right? That's part of the reason that we started this podcast. One of the motivations I had to start this podcast was, I mean, obviously we're not making any money from this podcast. Like we're spending money to make this podcast and spending a lot of our time doing it. And like, I am so passionate about learning about money to get it behind you, to propel you towards whatever your dreams are 
that I want to be talking to as many people as I can about the subject and helping people get their lives in order and move towards the dreams that they've been hiding under their bed, under their mattress, because they're too afraid to share them with other people or because they don't have the time or space or energy to do it because they are so bogged down by all the responsibilities that life has given to them. And at no fault to them, right? I just, I want to help people realize their dreams. And so that's one of the reasons that we first started talking about personal finance in general uh, when we met in San Diego. And one of the reasons we started this podcast, this podcast, it makes no money, but we're not doing this to make any money. That's not the motivation. The motivation behind this is to just get out there and spend our time doing things that matter and in a way that we think that we can help and we can add value to the space. Yeah. And, you know, just to wrap us up, what I would say is that like Jared has had that kind of impact on me. You know, and so I hope that you guys will will stay and tune in and listen and keep keep just listening because neither of us are perfect. You know, we don't know everything there is to know. We're both really young. We're both just starting on this journey. But just the conversations that I've had with Jared and listening to the Fi Space and all this kind of stuff has had such a cool and freeing impact on me and really like kind of enabled me to like really pursue and believe in my dreams. And to really like go for them, to shoot for the stars and to really like just go for it all out because they're the things that matter to me. They're the things I care about. And this whole concept of financial independence and talking to Jared has like really opened up my mind to the possibilities in life and really given me a lot of just like passion and drive and just hope for the future. And so we hope that like this podcast can do the same for you and allow you guys to just realize and, and, and shoot for and, and go for those dreams that like everyone has, you know? And so we hope that you guys will enjoy continuing to tune in and we're excited to be going on this journey with you guys. Um, and we can't wait to see you guys next week. All right. Catch you on the next one, Russell. Good to talk to you. See you, Jared. Thanks for coming to the five school today. We hope you learned something new and better yet took action. Don't forget to share this episode with somebody who needs it and be sure to leave a five-star review. If you want to get in touch with us, shoot us an email at mailbag at the And until next time, enjoy this super sweet saxophone outro. Class dismissed.